0: We are in the 16th week of our study in the book of Mark. And um, ironically today, and I'll be honest with you, Tim and I don't typically get together and say, Hey, where are you preaching? Let's try to put some songs that would go with what you're preaching. We didn't do that. Tim couldn't attest to that. But today, the title of the sermon is simply this Your faith has made you well. Your faith. Has made you well. We are, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 5 this morning. Mark chapter 5. And in context here, we've seen Jesus at the end of Mark chapter 4 show that he's the Lord of the deep. You remember? The disciples were in the sea on the boat going across the shore. Rabbi, master, don't you even care? We're about to die. Jesus is asleep. And he shows he's the Lord over the deep by rising up and saying three simple words. You remember those words? Say them with me. You ready? Peace be still. Three words. Jesus shows his lordship over the deep. And then last Sunday, we, we saw that Jesus showed his lordship over the demons. And immediately when Jesus gets off that boat, peace be still, immediately he steps off the boat and there meets him a man possessed of the devils, a maniac, a man who spent his life in the tombs, cutting himself, crying naked, a man possessed by legions of demons. And Jesus shows his lordship and his power over those demons. He he casts those demons into the swine, and then he completely remakes that maniac and sends him back to be a, a mouthpiece, sends him back to be a missionary, sends him back to be an evangelist to his home country. And Jesus showed that his, he is Lord over the demons. He's the Lord of the deep. He's the Lord of the demons. And this morning, we're going to see in our text that he's the Lord of the distressed, the diseased, and even the deceased. Y'all like that? That's very pastoral of me. We have, from the end of Mark chapter 4 until the end of Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus as the Lord of the deep, the demons, the distressed, the diseased, and the deceased. So um, hopefully you'll... My intro music. Um, Hopefully... Hopefully, that would actually be interesting if I I as a pastor had like walk-up music like baseball. I don't know what my song would be, but (laughs) it would be incredible. I'm just going to tell you guys that. I'd probably make some of you uncomfortable you might leave the church. But anyway, it's all good. But we see the context here. This is a stretch of the gospel of Mark where Jesus is displaying his full power. Jesus is saying, listen, in case you're going to wonder later, and they will, Am I who I say I am? He is saying here, listen, I'm going to show my lordship. I'm going to show my power. He's making his rounds over nature in human uh, healing. He's making his rounds over even death today. Showing his lordship and showing his power literally over every aspect of life. And if you think about it, the book of Mark, we, we mentioned at the beginning, the book of Mark is the most concise of the four gospels the book of Mark leaves out some details that the other three gospels put in. It's because that it's believed that the book of Mark was not necessarily an eyewitness from Mark, but that it was Peter telling Mark these stories and Mark is writing them down. So if you can imagine Peter, Peter's crazy. Peter's like, man, you would not believe, bro, from like he did this. He was out on the boat, and then we were idiots, and then this happened, and then he said, peace, be still." three words, and this is what happened, and immediately we got back, and this maniac, can you imagine Peter? I mean, and then, oh man, you could not believe it. He put him in pigs, bro, like bacon that were gone, 2,000 pigs, and then, and then they went back to his country, and then all of a sudden, here he is walking, and then he meets up with this man named Josh. Can you imagine Peter telling Mark, and Mark's like, dude, slow down. I'm like, I'm trying to get all this in context, and That's the way I see this. and Honestly, it kind of fits my personality. I don't mind going from one thing to another at a rapid pace, like it's okay with me. I learn better that way. But we are gonna be in a large text today. And let's read through this. Your faith has made you well. We're beginning in verse 21 in Mark chapter five. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, use an app. If not, we have it on the screens for you as well. Verse 21 in Mark chapter five. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. Pause. The faith. Hey, Jesus, you come, if you will lay her hands on her, she will be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. By the way, side note, Luke was a medical doctor. Luke, he left out that part that she had suffered many things from many physicians Maybe it was because just a nod to his profession. He didn't want to highlight the fact that she had been to doctors over and over again and had not found the answer. So once again, I love the kind of the humanity and the inspiration of scripture. It's kind of neat to see the men that wrote it and still their personalities come through. But she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Man, Mark kind of takes a pot shot there through Peter at doctors, right? But verse 27, when she heard about Jesus... She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Earlier in our text, if you lay your hands on her that she may be healed, she will live. This woman with the blood issue, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he, Jesus, looked around to see her, who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, in the title of our sermon, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed in your affliction. Verse 35, while he was still speaking. So he was, he was on his way to Jairus' house to heal Jairus' daughter, this woman interrupts him. He heals this woman. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, from Jairus's house, who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Hey Jairus, it's too late. Listen, Jesus was on his way. She was at the point of death. Well, now it's too late. She's dead. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And Jesus permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult in those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but... Sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him that would be Peter, James, and John, the child's father and the child's mother and he entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. As we know, Jesus would sometimes say, maniac, go tell everybody. Other times he would say, hey, don't tell anyone. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. God, activate our faith today. I pray that our faith would arise this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is an interesting text. It's a long text, and my apologies for the length of the text this morning, but it is the full story. It is Jesus being introduced to this ruler of the synagogue, this religious leader, Jairus, and hearing of his 12-year-old daughter who was at the point of death. Jesus, in his willingness to heal her, begins his journey from where he was to the house. And on his way, Jesus is touched. I'm assuming touched by multiple people. If you can imagine, I think of this as, uh, if you watch the, uh, the was it the PGA Championship a couple weeks ago when Phil Mickelson won? Did you see that? The 18th, the walk down 18. and it, I mean, It was pretty incredible. I'm sure there were people that were like going crazy uh, watching it because it looked very much like 2019. Um, But I mean, it was like, whew. And and he was kind of walking through, and people were grabbing at him, and he had his handlers pushing people away. And I can imagine that as Jesus walked. You see, Jesus had just healed the maniac, people heard about it. People were now very much intrigued. And as Jesus is being touched, there was a unique touch. I'm sure people patted him on the back. I'm sure people reached out to, I don't know, give him a high five. I don't know what it did back in the day. Um, certainly they reached out to touch him, but there was a touch. And that woman full of faith with the blood issue interrupts his miracle, interrupts his journey. And Jesus stops and heals her appropriately. Only to find out from the people there at Jairus' house that, hey, man, you're too late. Now, I don't know. I'm not trying to push anything onto Scripture this morning. I don't know if their feelings were, hey, Jesus, had you not stopped for this woman, you would have made it to the house on time. I don't know if that was the feeling. I'm thinking that it could have possibly been been the feeling. Hey, Jesus, had you not stopped and addressed this person who touched you, you would have made it to Jairus' house on time. They don't say that, but I can infer that possibly. The frustration maybe of Jairus and the family. And Jesus simply addresses him and tells Jairus not to be afraid, but only to believe. And Jesus shows up and performs yet another miracle in raising her from the dead, having her rise up and, and walk. And then I love how Jesus Wanted to make sure he took care of her physical needs as well. Hey, get her something to eat. That's my, that's my that's I'm talking my Jesus. Don't forget that. Um, this morning, I want us to see, number one, that Jesus is the Lord of the distressed. He's the Lord of the distressed. And when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea. Behold, one of the rulers, Jairus, by name came when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. This morning, I want to ask you to put yourself in the position of a religious leader back in that day. But more importantly, a father of a 12-year-old girl. I happen to be a father of a 12-year-old girl. And put yourself in that situation that your daughter has been given no hope by the doctors. Your daughter has been given nothing but a death sentence because of her physical needs. I can just feel the desperation and the distress in Jairus' voice as what the Bible says. He begs Jesus earnestly. I don't know what that sounded like. But the Bible says that he begged Jesus. Jesus earnestly and certainly Jairus being a ruler of the synagogue being a religious leader had heard of the healings of Jesus and who knows I think that possibly Jairus maybe Jairus was in the house in Mark chapter 3 4 when the four friends broke through the roof and let their friend down it's possible that Jairus was in that house and watched Jesus heal that man that came through the roof. It's possible that Jairus was one of those religious Pharisees who were all seated in that house. And it's possible that when that roof was coming undone, that Jairus was one who got the, the mud and the dirt in his, in his head. I don't know that. But Jairus was one of those men. He was one of those rulers. He was one of those religious leaders. And I don't know the circumstances this morning, but I do know this that a ruler of the synagogue, a religious leader in that day, was well aware of Jesus. And what had been taking place over the recent history. We don't necessarily know if Jairus would face persecution for for his step of faith in addressing Jesus and requesting Jesus heal his daughter. I don't know that, but I would assume, judging by the rest of the New Testament, that Jairus was taking a risky step in his religious world by saying, I'm going to Jesus. Listen, you guys can question him, Pharisees and Sadducees. You guys can question him. You can challenge him all you want to. But I'm the one with the 12 year old daughter. I'm the one with the daughter on her deathbed. And listen, I don't really care at this point about my religious status. And I don't care at this point about the synagogue and what everyone else thinks. I, I am going to earnestly request. He was in distress. He was in distress. His daughter was in distress, and so jeopardizing his religious career or his position in the synagogue was a step that he was willing to take. And This morning, you may find yourself in distress. Maybe your distress is not a 12-year-old girl at the point of death on her deathbed, but maybe your distress this morning is unique to you, and it is. You're, you you may find yourself in a season of distress this morning i want to encourage the stressed and the distressed this morning and distress is just merely like stress on steroids so the stressed and the distressed this morning i want to encourage you with this simple statement but oh how much this statement would mean to me and to you in moments of distress this morning. If you find yourself in distress, I want you to hear this statement. And I want it to minister to you. And I'm taking it from verse 24. It's not on the screen, but it is in your Bibles. He had just got done telling him about his daughter. And he just said, listen, if you will come, she will be healed and she will live. And verse 24, just these simple words. So Jesus went... With him. So Jesus went with him in seasons of distress, of stress and distress in our lives. We so often simply need to hear Jesus will be with you. Jesus will go with you. Whatever you're facing today, Jesus will face it. With you, Wherever you're going today, Jesus will go with you. Whatever need you have in your distress today, Jesus will be there meeting that need. This morning, we must understand and we must become comfortable with the fact that Jesus is the Lord over the distressed. And how often through his ministry do we see it? People coming to him in panic. People coming to him with emergencies. And we see Jesus showing his power over these stressful and distressful situations. And this morning, if you find yourself in... In, in, in distress, whether it be physical distress, whether it be emotional or psychological distress, whether it be physical health or mental health, whatever you find yourself in this morning, may I simply leave you with, not the end of the sermon, but just with point number one this morning, may I leave you with this statement from the Bible, so Jesus went with him. You don't have to stress alone. You don't have to distress alone. Hey, Jairus, I know it's your little girl, but Jesus will go with you. Secondly, this morning, we see that he's the Lord of the distressed, but secondly, I want us to see that he's the Lord of the diseased. He's the Lord of the diseased this morning. I'm not gonna take the time to read through this entire story. Needless to say, we understand it. This lady had some sort of hemorrhage or some sort of blood flow issue that had left her 12 years of sickness. She had reached out to doctor after doctor. She had spent all of her money to try to get medically healed. And she was unsuccessful. And this interrupted... The miracle of a little 12 year old girl. Once again, place ourselves in the story. Jesus is gonna come. He's gonna heal my little girl. He's with me. We're walking to the house. And there's an interruption. There's an interruption. He's interrupted by yet another urgent need. Have you ever been there? You're trying to meet one need and another need arises and then another need arises and you can't remember what the first need was. Thankfully, Jesus can handle it. But this lady for 12 years had a blood issue and to tie it back to Jewish tradition, she would have been deemed unclean according to the Hebrew ceremonial law. One would assume that she would be childless due to this, possibly unmarried due to this, which both in that day were kind of cultural curses, if you want to use that word. She was basically outcast due to this physical issue, this disease, this blood disease. Doctors had tried all they could and had given up hope. She had given all of her money to find a cure and it ended up at a dead end. And so she reaches out and touches his garment, his shirt, his robe, the robe of Jesus. And his garment magically made her whole and healed her. No. If y'all just said amen there, I'd have had to correct you. All right. Look what Jesus tells her to do in verse 34. Look what Jesus says to her. He wanted to make sure she understood. Hey, ma'am, you touching my garment is not, this wasn't some magic carpet. This wasn't some poof and a genie popped out. What did he tell her in verse 34? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Jesus isn't a spooky savior this morning. Jesus simply says this, your faith is what saved you. Earlier in the text, it said that she said, if I could just touch his garment, he will heal me. And he says, I want to make sure that you understand this morning that your faith has made you well. Well, Jesus is a supernatural savior who just happens to respond to simple acts of faith. Jesus is a supernatural savior who just happens to respond to these simple acts of faith. In context of this story, Jesus is also a supernatural healer who just happens to respond to simple acts of faith. Jesus responded. Listen, he had a mission. He was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his 12-year-old daughter, but an act of faith stopped him in his tracks. An act of faith caused him to feel the power leave him, Scripture says. I don't know what that all entails this morning, but he felt it. He felt her faith. I firmly believe that Jesus responded to this lady, to her faith with healing and with saving. And I firmly believe that Jesus still likes to respond to simple acts of faith with saving and with healing. Now, is it always God's will that everyone who reaches out in faith is healed? I I don't believe so because I believe scripture shows us time and time again that sometimes God's plan is that we stay in the adversity that we persevere through the pain I believe there are time and time again where we see that and it isn't removed but that God sees us through but I do also believe that there are times when God miraculously removes the issue of blood that had been there for 12 years I believe that God responds in his sovereignty to faith, to faith this morning. Hey, listen, God is not not healing and has not healed Carson the way Carson wanted to be healed. Carson would like to be healed by praying a prayer one time and saying, God, remove this exact issue from my feet and my legs and my back and and, and whatever it is specifically. God, will you remove this from my life? God is not healing her on this two-plus-year journey Necessarily the exact way she would want to, it to happen, but God is healing her. And who knows? God may have this as a season of her life for however long. But we believe that God responds to acts of faith. And I don't know of a young lady who more produces acts of faith than she does. This morning, I believe God. Through a son Jesus is the Lord of the diseased. He's the Lord of the distressed. but I love that he didn't stop the journey. Thirdly, this morning, we see that He's the Lord of the deceased. He's the Lord of the deceased. The lady's healed. Her blood issue is settled immediately. She goes along her way and Jesus is immediately met with someone from the house of Jairus who says listen it's too late. It's too late. She's she's gone. Jesus hadn't forgotten her. Remember, our emergencies are not emergencies to God. Remember? Our timetable is not God's timetable. Mary, Martha, friends and family of Lazarus. Just because Jesus shows up on your time clock four days late doesn't mean that Jesus showed up late. Jairus, your wife, your friends and family there who are caring for your daughter, Jesus doesn't operate on our time clock. In fact, God operates outside of time. Wrap your mind around that one, theological nerds. God doesn't operate in time. The year 2021 and the year 56 BC are just realities to God. Wrap your head around that. I'll talk to you about it next week after you've had seven days to to try to think through it. Listen, God doesn't operate. And Jesus right here was not operating on the time clock of Jairus. And that's some hard, sometimes that's that's a hard truth for us to understand. God does not owe us his answer on our time, our time clock. Jesus showed up when all hope was exhausted. They even told Jairus to give up, told him to stop bothering the rabbi, the teacher, to stop bothering Jesus. Jesus addresses Jairus after hearing that and says, Jairus, listen, don't be afraid, just believe. The same faith that you approached me with a few minutes ago, before we started on this journey. Josh, only believe, just believe. Just believe. And Jesus once again responds to simple acts of faith with supernatural. Works. Can you imagine as he arrives and he, he has Peter, James, and John with him and, and he says, listen, would you guys come in with me and just mom and dad, would you come in as well? And can you imagine through, through the tears in the eyes of a, of a mom and a dad of a 12-year-old girl who now was lifelessly lying in a bed? Can you imagine being in that room and, 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 and I'm, I've got to be honest, I'm in that room and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm mad at Jesus or if I have faith in him. I'm not sure if I believe or now I say, it's too late. I've got to be honest with you. I feel like that I would be like the man we're going to hear about in a couple of chapters in the book of Mark that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I trust you, but help me when I don't trust you. Lord, I believe, but I'm ticked off right now. Lord, I believe, but you got some explaining to do. Once again, I'm just putting myself, I'm sorry to kind of humanize the story a little bit. But if I'm Jairus and I'm his wife, oh, okay, you want us in here? What do you want us in here for? To get the burial clothes ready? And so there's a crossroads of faith here. And I firmly believe when Jesus said, "Hey, we want Peter, James, and John, and we want the mother and father." I believe that when they took those steps in that room, those were physical steps, but I believe they were spiritual steps. Of we still believe, we still believe, we're here. Jesus, you you can still do it. We still have that faith that Jairus showed you several minutes before before you left on that journey to come here. We still believe. And as her parents looked on through eyes, no doubt filled with tears, Jesus simply speaks to the young girl, I say to you, arise. And boy, if this word has not been clearly seen in the first six chapters in the book of Mark, it says immediately she arose. And I don't know if this is Peter explaining it to Mark because Peter seems kind of like the immediately kind of disciple, but I love it. Jesus says, arise, and immediately she arose. And her parents and her family and her friends and the disciples were overcome with great amazement. Church, today, it doesn't matter the circumstances that you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you've given up hope and everyone around you is given up hope, and everything seems lost. It doesn't matter if the situation literally seems dead this morning. We serve a God who likes to bring dead things back to life. We serve a God this morning who wants to heal. He wants to heal. And I don't simply mean... Someone has a bone protruding from their arm from falling out of a tree and Jesus wants to put that bone right back in the arm and make it feel good, even though he can do whatever he wants to. No, he wants to heal. And that word is such an encompassing word. It often is seen as physical healing, but man, that word is so much bigger than that. We serve a God who wants to heal the broken. He wants to heal your circumstances. He wants to heal whatever seems dead now in your life. We serve a God who wants to heal. He wants to love. He wants to resurrect. Church family, I hope that this morning in our lives it can be said of us your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Hey, your circumstances were terrible. Everything was stacked against you. No one thought that Anything good could come from this. But your faith has made you well. Not your works. Not your acts. No, no, your faith. Your faith has made you well. I want us to leave this morning with some practical truths that we can take from this text. I never want, and sometimes I'm guilty of this, but I never want to simply present the text, and leave. Sometimes due to time, I do that, and I don't want to. I want to always practically apply. And by the way, may I say this? This is a smaller crowd here today, so I believe I can speak a little free, freely today. Sometimes my application to Scripture is not Scripture. And this may apply to you in a unique way. The Holy Spirit may apply this to you in a unique way. And I'm completely comfortable with that. The the applications I give to my sermons are not inspired by God. The only thing inspired by God is God's word. So can we discern that this morning and can I give you some practical applications that I believe apply to us? The first one is this, distress, disease, and death are all realities that we must face in a fallen, sinful world. And I wish that wasn't true. But this morning... Each one of us will face distress, more than likely some sort of disease, and we will all at some point in time face death. These are realities of life. It is not because of your, anything of your doing necessarily, even though scripture does say there are some instances where it is, but I believe the vast majority of dis- distress and disease and death this morning are just simply facts of life. And so today if you are going through a time of distress, if you are going through a time of disease, may I say that this is a a rhythm of life. This is a season of life. This is what happens in life. And may I say that you're not alone. And may I say that I promise you, you may think that your situation is specifically unique to you, but I promise you. That there are other people that have been through things very, very similar, if not exactly the same. May I promise you this morning that you're among friends who love you and care for you and who want to walk through these unfortunate realities of life with you? The first practical truth these are realities. But secondly, Jesus wants us to trust Him no matter the circumstances. Jesus wants us to trust Him. No matter the circumstances. Jairus, the circumstances were bad. My daughter is at the point of death. But then your circumstances got good. Jesus is coming. But then your circumstances got bad. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus stopped and is dealing with this other lady. And then your circumstances got worse. They showed up from the house and said, it's too late. Send him home. Jesus doesn't need to come. Then your circumstances got better because Jesus said, no, we're going. And then your circumstances got good again because Jesus raised your 12-year-old daughter from the dead. May I say through all of that, up and down and up and down and mountain and valley and good and bad and positive and negative, Jesus wants us to trust him. No matter the circumstances. Hey, Jairus and Mrs. Jairus, whatever her name was. Would you guys come in? Would you guys come in? Jesus wants us to trust him. No matter the circumstances. Thirdly, Jesus gives healing, purity, and life to those who trust him as he takes on Their sickness, uncleanness, and death. You see, the first part of that is true, but the second part of that is the theological thought behind it—that every sickness Jesus has felt. In fact, in this lady, he felt power go out when he healed her. He felt the sickness. Jesus became our uncleanness on the cross. Jesus died in our place. And so anything that we request of Jesus, the theological request is, Jesus, will you take this on in my place? And you know what the answer is? Yes. The answer is the gospel And that is exactly what Jesus did, was he took it all in our place. What an incredible Savior. And I believe this morning that there are people here today who need physical healing, that I believe if we follow the book of James in chapter 5, and and many, 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 many others, but if we follow the book of James in chapter 5 as we did, if you happen to be there on the outside service, when we were for some reason outside, sweating to death, in June and July of last year, like a bunch of crazy people. I believe as we did at the end of that service and we called people up and we prayed over them, I believe God still wants us to do that. But if mental health and healing and social anxiety and healing and physical healing and spiritual healing, God wants to bring those. He wants to take them on. And then finally this morning, as a practical takeaway, God honors small acts of faith of those who come to him by Jesus Christ. I use the word acts. I don't mean they are, these are righteous works. Really an act of faith is, I think, one word, right? It's just surrender. Maybe it's reliance. I don't know what the... Specific word would be. But I believe that God honors submission. God honors reliance. God honors faith. He honors that when we come to Him through Jesus. Through Jesus this morning. Your faith has made you well. Your faith in Jesus has made you well with your creator. Your faith in Jesus, ma'am, has healed your disease. Your faith, Jairus, and Jairus' wife and friends and family, your faith has made your daughter well. Listen this morning. I firmly believe that Scripture teaches us over and over and over again that while God is sovereign and God in His providence knows and has everything under His grasp, I believe Scripture teaches us time and time and time again that God responds to faith. If you will have faith, Of a mustard seed. You can look at that mountain. Tell it to move into the sea. If you have faith. This morning, my prayer, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my faith. My marriage is going downhill. Lord, increase my faith. My job is ending, and I'm not sure what I'm doing when this is over. Lord, increase my faith. My, my kids have gone off and gone on the way of the world and aren't, aren't serving Jesus. Lord, increase my faith. God, I've got a big decision coming up. I've, I've got a decision to make for our family, which way to turn to the right or to the left. Lord, increase my faith. God, we've taken on more in our family than we used to, and and we're really getting pulled at the seams. Lord, increase my faith. Why? Because your faith has made you well. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.